are you going to go my way? Any Lenny Kravitz fans out there? It's okay to admit if you are, okay? Upstairs, downstairs, in the back. Uh, can we get a little holler from the upstairs folks today? How about the folks in the lobby here this morning back there? Awesome. They're a very, very just conservative crowd back there. They're very, very, very focused. How about the worship center folks today here? Okay, awesome. Awesome. Are You Gonna Go My Way? Not just the name of uh, a hit song by four-time Grammy Award-winning artist uh, Lenny Kravitz, but really that question, that, that sums up Lenny Kravitz's life and really his journey with God in a way, and actually a lot of our journeys with God as well. Are you gonna go my way, God says? My, my, my purpose? Are you gonna follow my direction for your life? Or is, is your life lining up with God's purposes for your life? Is, is your priorities lining up with his? And if you think that's a stretch, if you think that it's like, well, we just pulled that one out of somewhere, why in the world would we do that in worship? Lenny Kravitz is actually quoted as saying this about that song. That song, the, the, the guitar riff that you heard shredding over there on the guitar, was written in five minutes at the end of a recording studio. And then later that night, he puts pen to paper and writes the lyrics to it. And he says this, it's really a song about Jesus Christ about how God has given all of us a choice about which road to take. The truth is that you and I often lose our way a lot, just as Lenny Kravitz did, and I never thought I would do sermon prep digging in to, uh, to articles and videos about Lenny Kravitz, but that was a part of my week this week, and if you dig into it underneath the layers, you'll find that that song really sums up the spiritual journey that, was, that he's been on of, of having these powerful experiences with God that a lot of you have had, but then wandering away. And then God pursuing you, and then you come back. And then we run away, and then God pursues us again and again and again, just like he did for Lenny Kravitz. Now, this is not an endorsement of all of Lenny Kravitz's songs or the choices that he's made. I'm not suggesting and you go have family time around YouTube with Lenny Kravitz. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. However, it's important that we talk about these things because there's real doubt. There's real pain. There's real struggle. There's real mistakes. And if we don't talk about those things in church, where are we going to talk about them, right? So let's be real and let's take the mask off and realize that maybe there's some of Lenny Kravitz in all of us that we wander away and then God pursues us again and God calls us back to the narrow road, back to his mission, back to his purpose, which is really what this whole weekend uh, at Lutheran Church of Hope is about. It is rally weekend uh, at Hope, September 7th and 8th as we kind of kick this off. I did I don't know how these, I don't, I, I don't know who's making my PowerPoints. I don't know how these pictures get up there, but it is, it is rally weekend at Hope. And if you didn't grow up in the church, uh, you may not be familiar with that, but rally weekend is just a way of saying that we're kind of kicking off a new season of the church here. We're kicking off new ministries and classes and groups, and it's time to get into the game. And there's not many things that get me uh, as excited uh, as rally weekend, but one of them is it just always lines up with the start of football season and the kickoff of God's team in black and gold last weekend. Uh, half of you are going to get up and get up and walk out. It's, it's, the, it's the cool, crisp fall air. It's, it's getting the grill going, and it's, it's, it's Hawkeyes and, and, and everything associated with that. There's not many things that get me more excited than football season, but one of them is this time of year for us as a church. I hope that you feel the excitement, the anticipation in the air as you walked in here this morning. And that's because, to some extent, the game is already underway. And we're asking you to get involved 
with the game. Already just in these last few uh, weeks, we had our children and student training uh, last week to get ready for all the, the kids that are up in Hope Kids right now, as well as uh, the, the, the record numbers of students that are going to be joining us in Power Life Ignition. Whiz Kids trainings have happened for our neighborhood outreach ministry uh, for kids. We're excited to welcome all those kids back this next Thursday. Breakfast club trainings for our ministry uh, here to, to provide transportation uh, and breakfast this morning. Our creative team has been working on uh, our next set uh, as well for our sermon series. Core leader training for our core class coming up. We've got a great group uh, for that as well. Revive will kind of launch into their fall season, our young adult ministry this Tuesday. Free ice cream beforehand uh, as well uh, on Tuesday for that. And then, of course, our new member class today. So needless to say, the game is underway and you've been invited in. Amen? It's, It's a moving train around here and we encourage you to get on board. And yet the heart behind it all is simply this. Rally weekend is a moment to pause to stop on our journeys. It's a mile marker. It's a mark on the road, a definitive point on the calendar to set apart and pause for a new season and ask God and and listen to God ask us, are you going to go my way? Are you going to go my way? It's a much deeper question than just the lyrics to a song. Are you going to go my way? Which direction are you headed this morning in your life? If your life was headed, are are you happy with that? Are you satisfied with the direction that your life is going? And God says, are you going to go my way? Are your purposes aligned with his? Are your priorities aligned with his? Are you experiencing real life today? Or are you just sort of getting by? God's word calls out to us again and again about this. Particularly, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. Let's read this together. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. How do you know if you're on the right path today, if it's headed towards Jesus Christ, if it's going his way? And I believe that God has every single one of us here this morning, wherever you might be sitting, crammed into this building today, God has all of us here today to hear that question. Are you going to go my way? And here's why that's so important, and here's why what we're going to talk about today matters. Because the direction of your life will determine whether you find the life that's actually going to fill you up. It's going to determine, the direction that you're headed today is going to determine whether you find those things that you're looking for. That satisfaction, that fulfillment, that joy, that freedom that you're looking for, or are you going to wander around looking for it for the rest of your life? This is a very, very important question for us. And nobody knows that better than our good friend, Jonah. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Jonah. I'm guessing you haven't been there for your devotional time recently, but we're going to be diving into it together today. The book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah's in the Old Testament, and so some of you, uh, well, you all heard the scripture reading earlier from Jonah, and you're like, why are we standing for the scripture reading? Well, just a word on that. We're trying something new for a new season here, kind of mixing it up to keep you on your toes uh, a little bit. It's been a long-standing tradition in the church to stand for the scripture reading, but I don't know about you, but I, I just get a lot more focused when I'm standing and listening to something than when I'm sitting. Kind of easy to like back and check your phone and everything, but when you're standing, when somebody important comes in the room or something important is being said, you stand, right? Just culturally, that's what we do. What could be more important than God's word? And so that's going to be something new that we're going to try uh, for a while here to stand for the scripture reading, to elevate the focus on God's word and to help us focus on that. But you heard Jonah chapter 1 read. We're going to enter into this new series called Jonah, a whale of a tail. A whale of a tail. But don't see what I did there. 
And so we're going to be diving into that during the month of September. Jonah is a prophet, but different than a lot of the other prophets that we've read into these books the last few months, the, the book of Jonah isn't so much about the message of the prophetic message of the prophet as it was with Isaiah or Jeremiah. It's more about the prophet himself. It's more about the prophet himself. And so chances are, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of Jonah. And if you did, probably in Sunday school, you probably know that everybody knows, we assume, that Jonah is the story of Jonah and a very big whale, whale right? Or a fish. Did you know that 99% of the translations out there don't say whale? They say big fish. We just kind of assume that as well. And if you want to kind of geek out on the, the Greek of it a little bit, the word there for fish actually can be best translated there in the Greek as a giant sea creature. Like, yeah, like Hollywood kind of stuff here, right? A giant sea creature. So you can have fun uh, with that in your, in your uh, Bible Q&As a little bit there. But the, ver- the, the fish, believe it or not, we think it's all about the fish. The fish is only talked about in a four-chapter book of Jonah with three verses. It's really not about the fish at all. And what I want to propose to you today, the book of Jonah is actually a story of second chances. And I just have a feeling that there's somebody here today, maybe a few people, that could use a second chance in life. They could use a third chance, right? They could use a fourth chance, right? Ultimately, Jonah is the story of a God who does three key things that we want to focus on today. A God who calls, a God who intervenes, and a God who redirects. That's the story of Jonah in a nutshell. The hero of the story is not Jonah. The hero of the story is God himself. So let's dive in. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. If you've got it, say I've got it. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so it's important to know that Nineveh is the capital city of uh, Assyria, which was this big regime at the time, a kind of an evil empire, and they are the bitter rival, the arch nemesis, the enemy of God's people, the Jews at this time. Okay, so God sending Jonah as, as a Jewish man, as a prophet, to uh, Assyria, essentially, to Nineveh, uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a relevant example of this, and all I can think of is if God sent me fully decked out in my Hawkeye garb to the middle of Jack Trice Stadium next weekend, okay, for the big game, okay, congratulations, Iowa State, on getting college game day to come to Ames as well, that's very exciting, so we're there, and on national TV, I just stand at the 50-yard line, and in a sea of cardinal and gold of Iowa State fans, I just call them out for all of their sins, everything, okay? Which maybe is not a hypothetical, okay? So um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, okay? So that's kind of an example, and much more than that, okay? The Ninevites were known for their evil. They were known for the, causing these, these, these horrid atrocities uh, with their enemies. And so God wants to intervene, and God wants to call them back. And so he calls out to Jonah, just as he did to all the other prophets, to call them out of their comfort zone and into God's mission. Out of their comfort zone and into God's mission. Everybody, anybody ever seen this graphic before? Ever seen this before? Go ahead and go to the next slide. There it is. Anybody ever seen that before? Okay. Your comfort zone, where the magic happens. Okay. And that could mean a lot of different things for our purposes today. What if where the magic happens was much deeper than magic? What if that was God's plan for your life? What if that was God's purposes for your life? But the problem is a lot of us never get to experience that kind of life because we really like things the way they are. 
We really like to stay in our comfort zone. We say things like, well, we've never done anything like that before. I've never tried that before. I don't know if if, if I could do that. Do I have what it takes and all sorts of those things? Jonah is way over here. He's in his comfort zone because normally he gets to be a prophet to people that like him and don't want to kill him, okay? And all of that is about to change. But just like Jonah, sometimes to experience the plans that God has for us, we have to leave where we are and go to brand new places and leave our comfort zone. But unlike a lot of the other biblical heroes that are called by God to leave where they are and go to a new place, Jonah did the exact opposite. If you want to sum up the book of Jonah, basically God said go and Jonah said no. Okay? That's kind of a summary. You want to remember it in that way. Look at it this way. I'll throw up a map on the screen. This is kind of if, if Google Maps existed in, in, in Jonah's time, essentially. Okay, so down here in Israel or Judah, this is where Jonah gets called. And you can see way over there on the right side of the screen is Assyria. That's Nineveh. It kind of gets cut off the screen there. That's the capital city of, of, uh, of Assyria. And that's where God is calling Jonah to go. It's really not that far. It's like driving up to Minnesota, a little bit farther than that. But it's right there, Okay. And then look at the red dotted line way over here where Tarshish is, okay? There is running away from God, and then there's Jonah, okay? He goes in the complete opposite direction. It would have been so much easier to obey God, and he goes all the way over here, and this is where that famous story of the fish happens as well. So God says go, and Jonah says no. Now, before we skip ahead in the story, it's kind of easy to give Jonah a bad rap. I mean, how could he be so airheaded to think that you could actually run away from God? But I think if we're not careful, we point the finger a little bit too quickly. You see, for Jonah, while he was running, before God intervened, okay, before the big fish comes, right, his rebellion probably felt good. It probably felt like he could escape. It probably felt like it would be so much easier to rebel than to obey. His plan probably seemed so right. I mean, think about it this way. How many of you in a situation in your life that you look back on 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, and you're looking back and you remember at the time a decision that you regret, something that you hated that you did, right? And how many of you have caught yourself thinking or saying, boy, it seemed right at the time. It seemed right at the time. Anybody ever been there? And I think that's Jonah, and I think we point the finger of judgment, but I think if we're not careful, we think that we separate ourselves from him. There's a lot of Jonah in us. And all I can think about when I see this map and Jonah running away, I just was looking at it this week, and all I can think of is, Jonah, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And then this is how my mind works. I go right from Jonah to an iconic scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You know what I'm talking about? All I can think about is Steve Martin and John Candy, okay, going the wrong way. As you watch this next clip, think about Jonah. Take a look. You're going the wrong way. Classic, right? At the time, it seemed so right. We think we know which way to go, right? We think we know which direction to go until God is that voice that calls out to us wherever you are this morning, turn around. Maybe we're not that much different from Jonah. Maybe God's the one that's calling out to us this morning saying, you're going the wrong way. Nobody else here this morning may know it, but there's something in your life where you need to turn around and go a different direction. I think there's a lot of Steve Martin in us too that says, yeah, okay, thank you, God. Appreciate it. Thank you, God, for your opinion, right? 
and we kind of lump God's opinion in and his word with all the other opinions that are out there, and then we just make up our mind what we think we should do. There's a lot of Jonah in us. The truth is, we're not always great at directions either, spiritually speaking. God calls out to all of us. For some of us, the way that we've lost our way, the way we've lost our direction is we've gotten distracted this summer. We've lost our focus on God and making church a priority just because it felt right. And it was easier to skip once in a while. And you know, there's just something missing, we feel like. And God's saying, yep, it's time to turn around, to refocus, to reprioritize this fall, to make the life-giving habit of weekend worship a priority again. It's time to move from distracted to focused if you've lost your way. For some of us, the way that we've lost our way is that you've been sitting on the sideline for far too long. You're not in the game. You're on the bench in the sidelines, and we continue to make excuses. Well, I don't have the time, and I don't have the energy, and I don't have the, the gifts or the ability, and, and it feels so safe to sit on the sideline, doesn't it? It feels so comfortable, but Jesus didn't come to make our lives comfortable. He came to make our lives satisfied and worth living and full of the abundant life that he promises. For, so some, for some of you, it's time to activate your faith, to put it into action, to take one of these classes that we've been talking about for, for the sake of your kids, for the sake of your teens, for the sake of your soul to activate your faith and discover what Christianity is supposed to be, to serve and activate your faith on a regular basis, to move from passive to active. For some of us, the way that we've gone astray and lost direction is that we've been drifting from event to event, to schedule this, to schedule that, to kids' activity, to kids' activity, and it feels so good in the culture that we live in to not commit to anything. Because what if something better comes up? I don't want to plug in and commit to anything. And you don't realize it, but a surface level life is killing you. It's killing your soul because you were created for relationships. You were created for community. You weren't created to consume religion. You were created to experience church as a family. And so maybe it's time to stop drifting and move to a rootedness in God's family, to maybe take the new member class today and experience what it means to experience family as a church, to move from drifting to rooted. Still others of us are trying to navigate life alone, and this is where we've lost our way. We think we're so strong. We think we're so tough. And you're wrestling with an addiction. You're wrestling with a marriage that's on the rocks, a relationship that's struggling. Some of you have never grieved what you need to grieve, the loss of a loved one or a change or a transition in your life. And God says to you this morning, bring it to me. You don't have to navigate life on, uh, alone to move from alone to guided. Where do you need a new direction this morning? Maybe a lot of us, there's a little bit of Jonah, if not a lot of Jonah in us. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 puts it this way. It says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. In other words, there's no life apart from God. There's no joy, no peace, no satisfaction apart from God. And that's why the story of Jonah doesn't end with rebellion. The story of Jonah doesn't end with him running away. God intervenes because God loves us too much to let us go our own way. Thank God that we have a God that not only calls, but we have a God that intervenes and redirects when necessary. Why did God go to such great lengths to intervene in Jonah's story? because he wasn't done with them. And some of you need to hear that this morning. God's not done with you. Some of you are on the sidelines. Some of you are drifting. God's not done with you. Just like Jonah, God comes and he, he intervenes and he redirects. 
And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about yourself not as apart from Jonah, but right in that story. God wanted Jonah, in, in football terms on this rally weekend, God didn't want Jonah running away from the stadium. God wanted Jonah in the game, a part of his plans, a part of his purposes on his mission. Now, you saw us tossing this ball around earlier, and you saw the, the staff, our growing staff up here. And so you might think, like, oh, get in the game. Well, looks like you got plenty of players, John. I mean, that's the team. That's the starting lineup right there, right? Nothing could be further from the truth. So I don't know what different church backgrounds we come from this morning, but a lot of times we think, well, let's just hire more staff and they'll do all the ministry and then we can just sit back and watch the starting lineup, the team do the ministry up here. That's not what God says at all, particularly in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, God makes the leaders, the staff, the teachers, the leaders of the church to equip God's people for works of ministry. So a better way of understanding it is you're the players. You're in the game, and it's our job to do the very best we can to help you lead your church, to not consume from us, but to point you to Jesus and be faithful in that so that you can play the game and experience the thrill of Christianity the way that it was meant to. We're more like the, the coaches that give a little bit of direction and a little bit of wisdom and help you learn how to play the game, to, to get involved in the game. And today, some, God is calling some of you from distracted or passive or drifting or alone, and he's calling us back into his mission. Essentially, God is holding out the game ball to you today and saying, you ready, church? You ready to play the game? You ready to... Get on board with my mission for you, not only individually, but collectively for us as a church as well. I'm guessing that a lot of you are here today and we're packed out today because word got out that we have the best donut holes in town. I'm guessing that's why all of you are here. Or, or you might have heard that uh, we've been hinting at for several weeks that we have some exciting news to share with you today. And so a lot of you are new, and we love uh, new people at Hope. And so a lot of you, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it. Some of you have maybe been kind of wondering what this is all about for a while. And so I, what I want to do is just back up a little bit, and as Paul Harvey would say, give you the rest of the story, and kind of come back uh, a little bit, a few months, to tell you where we've been as far back as last fall, and tell you where we're going. So way back last fall, I know it seems like a long time ago, we did a building campaign called Building to a Hope Beyond. And a lot of you were here for that, and we had an amazing campaign team for that. Uh, and we did this campaign not because we were in some sort of financial trouble or because the church is all about money, but because God was on the move. I mean, you've all heard the quote from Field of Dreams, right? If you build it. Okay, for us, it was the opposite. They came, and so we needed to build it, meaning lots of you came and continued to fill up this place in a lot of different ways. And so over the last couple of years, we've had growing pains. We've been in this building for about five years, and we've had growing pains. And so as you look, not only uh, with our classes uh, and activities during the week with the limited number of classrooms that we have, but a lot of you have experienced the joy, as some of you are right now, of worshiping outside the restrooms, which is Awesome. We're so glad uh, that you're here. There may not be room for you physically here, but there is room for you in God's family, uh, in our church family for sure. So a lot of you experience the joy uh, of that. And it's not just facility growing pains and, and everything like that and wh wherever we are, upstairs, downstairs. It's also that God has been on the move. There's ministry happening inside and outside the walls. If you go to the next slide, I mean, this is just a, just a snapshot um, of just, uh, this is just the last about four and a half to five years of some of the ways that God has been growing us as a church, both deep and wide. 
We've experienced worship growth of 79% of where we were when we moved into this building, which is pretty mind-boggling to think about. About 800-plus adults involved in discipleship in some sort of way and actively in a group, in a discipling relationship, taking a class, in a small group, serving in some way. 600-plus kids we've served the last five years at Vacation Bible School, which is awesome. Yeah. When we, when we moved into this building, student ministry did not exist, and now we're anticipating about 50 kids, if not more, as they continue to bring their friends on Wednesday night for our student ministry. 600-plus Christmas gifts to families in need during the Christmas season. We estimate, this is a ballpark number, uh, but 30,000 meals served for breakfast and different activities here uh, during the week as well. We, uh, we launched downtown uh, preschool and continue to serve now five-day-a-week uh, preschool. Uh, we're now in our, in our fifth year for that. Uh, when we moved into our tiny little office upstairs, uh, we had a staff of five, and now you saw uh, them. That's not even all of them, but a staff of 15 now uh, to serve the church as well. This is pretty dang exciting. In the last five years, you as a congregation have paid off $1.8 million of debt for this building, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. And I know you clap for that one, but I'm actually most excited about the last one because this is why we do what we do. All of that other stuff doesn't matter unless Jesus is changing lives with his love. In the last five years, over 230 people have been baptized into new life. So we're excited about that. So because of all this growth, both deep and wide, hear me say that, both deep and wide, we knew that our current facility was kind of getting in the way of expanding God's mission. And so last fall, we initiated this giving campaign. And kind of our, our image for that was this door that you see up here, this old, uh, old-fashioned door up here that a lot of you signed. And it has the, the image of this building directly to our north that we uh, have now purchased uh, to, to continue to grow uh, our ministry here. And, and you gave generously. You gave generously. In fact, we were blown away. Over $1.1 million was given last fall to continue to grow God's kingdom. And so as of last March, we now own that building directly to our north, and we gain possession of that property, which is another 8,000 square feet, which was a big deal because the building you're currently sitting in is about 11,000 square feet. And so that was a, a big addition for us in that way for gathering space and classrooms and offices. And yet at the same time, the one thing that that plan didn't address, just simply because of where we're at financially, is it didn't address worship, right? You look around this morning and you kind of think to yourself, what are we going to do five years from now, okay? Or like a year from now, right? As we continue in that, it didn't address that worship space. And to some extent, we're not out in the sprawling fields of Iowa somewhere. We can just gobble up acres of, of land we're somewhat landlocked in the location that we are. And so, uh, you know, maybe 13 services a weekend was our plan. I don't know, uh, is what kind of we were thinking about. But essentially, you understand the need for growth. And so we continue to work on plans with our architect for that building and a lot of the renderings that you see up there. And because we live in Iowa, we thought it might be important to connect the buildings, as fun as it is in January, to go outside and move your kids back and forth. We thought that'd be a good idea. And so to get that plan to where we wanted it to be, we were looking at around a, a price tag of about $2.5 million for those renovations to make that really what we needed it to be. And like I said, it didn't necessarily address all of our needs. And so there was a little bit of a check in our spirit with that. And this is where our story, also like Jonah, becomes a whale of a tale and takes a turn. In mid-July, I was sitting uh, in Chris's office, uh, our chief operations officer that you met before, 
and we were talking about some things. It was a little bit before vacation Bible school, and I was totally focused on that. And we got a message from a realtor here in town that was working uh, on behalf of a church facility in the Drake neighborhood that was being placed for sale. And so uh, we weren't looking for it at all until that moment. I had been solely focused on this vision that we talked about last fall, and our hearts were totally there. Well, we weren't looking for it at all. It just kind of came looking for us. And so myself and Chris and the, uh, Pastor Mike and the rest of our senior leadership team uh, from Hope uh, toured this building, and we've toured other buildings in the past as we were looking for facilities. And honestly, we weren't expecting a lot. We didn't know what to expect, but it blew away our expectations. This facility uh, that we looked at um, was a, a church, uh, is a church currently, at 2500 University here in Des Moines, about four minutes away from here, and you can see uh, right across the street from Drake University, and, mind you, very, very close to a Jimmy John's, so I was thankful for that. <laughs> and so we toured this church. The church community there had, had gotten smaller in size over the last couple decades, and they were already planning to move. They were already looking at other spots, and so they were just praying and praying that somehow that ministry would be able to continue in that, in that building, which is a 175-year-old facility. This facility that started Drake University, this facility that in its heyday hosted Martin Luther King Jr., Eleanor Roosevelt from that very stage and planted eight or nine other churches from that church. It's been a reproducing church, a church planting church. And so we went inside and what we discovered blew us away. Just a snapshot of what we found. A 600 plus seat uh, historical worship center with a gigantic pipe organ, which Jed's going to learn. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a large lobby that obviously we don't have right now because it's an extension of our worship center there, a 200-plus seat fellowship hall in comparison to about the 150 folks that we serve a week up here for breakfast that seats about 60 up there. So that is a big difference. Large dedicated children and nursery spaces that are all set up and ready to go to be safe and secure for your kids. A large, fully finished commercial kitchen. Uh, that we can cook in. Dozens of large classrooms, a large gym on the fourth floor, and five, get this, five levels of large classrooms. And so we're kind of walking around. Yeah. So this is all kind of in comparison to the 11,000 square foot facility that you're currently in right now. And so we talked more with the realtor and with the church and their leadership, and we wanted to throw our hat in the ring because we were very much interested, and there was some other interest in this building as well, and we kind of landed on a potential purchase price of $2 million, of $2 million. So if you think about that, I just want to lay it out for you very clear. The 1818 High Street facility that our campaign was for last fall, which is directly to our north, would be about a $2.5 million renovation to gain about 8,000 square feet, but nothing would change with worship. We don't gain any space now or in the future for a worship center. And we project right now that in three to five years, we'll be pushing to be a church of eight, 900, 1,000 people with a worship center that seats about 200 comfortably. And so there's not room for that growth. Maybe in that extension, there's room for about three to five years, and then we're 
doing this campaign. Again, if you compare that to the facility at 2500 University, a $2 million purchase price to own the building for 63,000 square feet, 40,000 of which is basically move-in ready right now on the first few floors, complete with that worship center with plenty of room for you to invite your friends and your neighbors and space for decades of growth, essentially eight times more space for a half a million dollars less. And so this was really hard for us to, you can clap whenever you want during the sermon, okay? Yeah. So I'm like, well, I better tell our staff that something's kind of brewing. And so we were sitting in a staff meeting about a month ago and sharing about this vision. And one of our staff members said, hey, does anybody remember what our theme was from our campaign last fall? <laughs> Building to a hope beyond. Does anybody remember what our campaign theme verse was for our campaign last fall? Let's read it together nice and loud just so we all remember. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can we say amen? amen? When you see an exclamation point, it means say it loud and proud. Amen. It happens to be the verse that's on our banner that will be up this fall as well. So we talked about this door kind of being our symbol of the campaign because when you're out of space, you got to build more doors. you got to open more doors. you got to create more space for people to come in, not to grow Lutheran Church of Hope, but to grow the kingdom. And it's almost like in this move of God, God said, you thought you were opening a door. <laughs> you, you thought you knew what was going on here, but God says, I am about to blow away your expectations. I'm about to do something that, that is way beyond, as our verse says, what you could ever ask or imagine. And so lest this be a Pastor John thing or a senior leadership thing or something like that, towards the end of July, uh, around 50 of you from our campaign team, our incredible faithful campaign team, that was a big part uh, of, of, of securing this building in the past. We had come for some vision nights to tour uh, the building, to walk through it, a chance to share, to talk, to discuss, to ask questions, to share ideas and concerns, and to share your excitement. And I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt from your leaders in this church, from our campaign team, the response walking through this facility was absolutely overwhelming. And so because of your, uh, because of um, a lot of people's prayers, uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot of discussions, because of our team's overwhelming feedback, we met with, uh, and I've met with the, the pastor at First Christian Church multiple times, and we met with their facility team and their church council, and they were absolutely thrilled. In fact, moved to tears because they were so hoping that a church would buy the church so that the church, which is not a building, could move into this facility and continue that ministry. They were moved to tears at the potential of us coming to that neighborhood. They were so thankful for that opportunity. And so, as of just a few weeks ago, we reached a preliminary agreement pending your approval as a congregation in a few weeks of a closing date at 2500 University on February 1st. So, most likely, uh, as we work in partnership with the, with the congregation that's there, we would likely begin renovations as soon as this late fall, and then, of course, more in the spring. 
Uh, and then our hope is a potential move-in date, um, possibly by Easter or probably late spring or summer of 2020. And so nothing's going to happen with our current location here until uh, the end of the school year because we have our preschool. Here we want them to finish out the year well. And then, of course, that preschool and that ministry will continue in the new space and be able to expand exponentially as well. And so needless to say, there have been some sleepless nights. Uh, Needless to say, there has been a lot of hours of prayer and listening to God and seeking wisdom by our entire staff and our team A lot of sleepless nights, not because we don't trust God. That's never been the issue. But because I so value your trust as one of your leaders at Hope. And I consider it an absolute honor and a privilege and a big responsibility to make sure that I'm always pointing you in the right direction, not to myself but to God's plans and his purposes for us as a church to get out of the way and point you to Jesus Christ and continue to point you to his mission. That's always been my job and will continue to be. And so I value so much your trust as a leader, and this is a little different plan than what we talked about at our last family meeting, okay? And so it's a little different location, but it's the exact same vision. In fact, the vision just got a little bit bigger. In fact, a lot bigger. And so just a few ways of many that we're excited about the potential that this space brings. It's proximity to Drake, uh, the possibility for outreach there at the university and starting our third Kairos to join Iowa and Iowa State to have a Kairos college ministry literally right across the street from Drake University. Uh, To stay present in the city. You've heard me preach from this stage over and over again. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're putting our roots down in the city, and nothing has changed with that. It is four minutes away, for those of you that are always late to church, it's four minutes away (laughs) from this location, 1.4 miles to be exact, as I googled yesterday. So we are not going anywhere. In fact, it gives us the opportunity to be more present in a neighborhood. We love this location, but it's not really in a neighborhood. This New space is in a neighborhood surrounded by thousands of people that don't know Jesus and don't have a church home, which has always been the focus of this church and allows us to do that. More worship space, children's space, youth space, to continue and expand our breakfast club ministry to uh, more than just we pick up right now, to continue to pick up every single person that wants a ride to church, to continue to pick up here and move people over to that new neighborhood. And I believe that we'll have more people from the neighborhood walking in and joining us and reaching out to the world around us in that way. The ability to continue and expand our WizKids ministry. We have poured into these kids in this Oak Ridge neighborhood for the last five years, and we are not going to stop. We are not going to ditch out on those kids. We are going to continue to pursue them with the love of God and invite them in and expand that ministry to even more kids than need it in that neighborhood as well. So we're excited about that. The new neighborhood has a uh, high uh, refugee population of families that have come here to Des Moines. And as we talked with the pastor and their church staff, out of everything that we talked about in that long meeting, their one request was that we would somehow be able to continue the ministry of their ESL, their English as a Second Language program that is the largest adult ESL program in the city of Des Moines. And I said, absolutely we will, because that's what it means to be the church and reach out. So we're excited about that as well. And um, 
Not only that, but a space that would uh, uh, allow us to develop partnerships with other nonprofits and Christian organizations. We've already been contacted by several that would love to partner with us uh, in this facility in the heart uh, of the city. Because here's the thing. It has never been about growing Lutheran Church of Hope. It is about growing the kingdom of God in Des Moines. And if we can partner with other churches, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. God continues to open these doors. These partnerships open up in the last few days in a roundabout way. We've been contacted by the president and the chief administrative officer of Drake University. Well, because they, they heard they might have some new neighbors. And so they, they want to talk to us a little bit as well. So we're excited to talk to them about that partnership as well. And maybe we'll meet at Jimmy John's. It'll be great. <laughs> I cannot tell you how good it is to share this news with you. I am so excited to just get it out there. And uh, I'm just so thankful that regardless of what happens and where the road leads from here, that we have the opportunity to even consider this. The opportunity to even consider this. Because the time has come again and God is calling. The God who calls, the God who intervenes, the God who redirects our paths is doing it again. Because that's the story of Lenny Kravitz. That's the story of our friend Jonah, and that's the story of Hope Des Moines. And so we want to invite you in now to this adventure with us. And so in a couple weeks, we're going to invite you to an all-church vision night on Monday, September 23rd from 6 to 8 at this new facility so that you can see it, not just pictures on the screen, but you can catch a vision of that, and we want you to see that. And this is going to be an evening that's not a come-and-go thing. You're going to want to be there for the entire time. Uh, we're going to give tours. We're going to worship together in this new space. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more on the details of this from Pastor Mike will be there, from Chris, from myself, members of our senior leadership team. You'll be able to answer any question that you want. We'll have a Q&A session, and I would love for as many of you to be there uh, as possible. After that, because I know this is a lot to process, it's a lot of new information, two weeks later, you're going to want to be at that vision meeting because two weeks later on Sunday, October 6th at 1230 we're going to have a special congregational meeting right here at Hope Des Moines that you're going to want to put on your calendar. And we're going to vote on three things. We can't do anything. We haven't signed any papers. None of this is final until you approve it. God leads us, and we turn to you as the church for approval on that, to sell our current building on Ingersoll, which we have prayed about and prayed about and prayed about. But as we looked at all the different options, it makes so much sense that not only will we come out ahead, possibly a half a million dollars on the swap, of these buildings and selling this facility and the building to our north, but the, the, the amount of money that we'll save in our general fund for interest that we're paying to the bank will allow us to pay that off sooner and essentially be debt-free as a congregation with a brand new building in three to four years. And so we're excited about that. So we're going to vote on that. We're going to vote on purchasing this building at 2500 University, and then we're going to vote on using the proceeds from uh, the sale of this building and uh, the campaign funds from last fall to do some much-needed upgrades and renovations uh, to the part of the building that we're going to use. Uh, when a building was built that long ago, it could use some upgrades with some things, some audiovisual things, and stuff like that. And so that's kind of where 
uh, we're going. And so uh, at that meeting, uh, we would encourage you uh, to come. If you are a member of Lutheran Church of Hope, you can vote. So if you needed any extra motivation to come back for the new member class today, there's just a little bit of extra motivation there today. You may want to become a member between now and then, and just because it's a good thing to do as well. You'll be hearing much more in the weeks to come to be looking uh, for a Q&A document as well. And so let me just say this. Are there questions? Yeah. Are there a lot of unknowns? Yeah. But that has never stopped God before, and it's not going to stop him now. And I just want to say this, in all honesty. There is no other group of people that I would rather be on this adventure with than you. Because you have always been a faithful church that has always put the mission of God and where he's calling us above your comfort, above your convenience, above your own ideas, above your own opinions or preferences. And you know that the church has never been, this church or any other church is not defined by size. In fact, bigger is not better when it comes to church size. Smaller is not better. Better is better. And by better, we mean more effective for the kingdom of God and reaching out to the world around us with the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. You also know that the church is not defined by a building, but by the mission of its people. And that's why in the last 11 years, you have worshiped in an elementary school gym. Folks, you're sitting in a former car dealership right now. You know that the church is not a building. It's why you've taken risks. It's why you've done more ministry outside these walls than inside these walls. It's why so many of you have found the love of Jesus Christ and you've stopped consuming and you started serving because the church is God's idea, not ours. And he turns to every single one of us today and he says, are you going to go my way? Are you going to go my way? Are you going to go my way? Are you going to follow the path and the plans that I have for you? And so to, to close, people have been, uh, hallelujah, brother, thank you. People have been asking, so John, you know, how are you feeling about all this? And the best way that I can describe it is this feeling I had a couple weeks ago when we took a family trip to the state fair. My wife Tiffany and I are there with a couple of our kids, and we love the state fair as a family. We were there the whole day, and it was getting late, and our kids were getting really tired. And so my boy, my six-year-old Caleb, comes up to me and, and says, Daddy, will you carry me? He's getting tired. And I said, absolutely, bud. And I grabbed him and I put him on my shoulders. And I said, well, we're going to have a little bit of fun. So I said, you hold on. You hold on. I said something to the effect of, here we go. And I just took off down the main drag of the state fair. And he is like bouncing around up there going, wow, like that all over the place. And then I, you know, he's going crazy. And, and so I stop. And I look up at him, and he's like sweating. He's like dizzy and all this. And I go, buddy, was that scary? I look up at him, and he's like, yeah. I'm like, are you nervous? And he's like, yeah. And I go, should we do it again? And he goes, oh, yeah. And then we just took off down again. And folks, I believe that this fall... This vision that God's given us is so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than Lutheran Church of Hope. It's about his kingdom. And God is throwing us on his shoulders saying, it's never been about you. It's always been about me and my vision for you as a church. And he's throwing us on his shoulders. And he's looking up at us and saying, are you a little nervous? I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah. Are you a little overwhelmed? Yeah. Are there a lot of questions? Yeah. But in terms of going on his mission and trying something new and taking a risk for the kingdom, God looks up at us today and says, should we do it again? And collectively at church, we say, yes, right? Amen.
Man, God is on the move. He's done great things. Let's stand and let's sing about it. Let's stand and let's worship together.